Hello everybody and welcome to the Greatest Games podcast on the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, with me of course is Jonathan Wilson and with us today is Ayat Savari, journalist and presenter for ETV, Estonia's national broadcasting service. Ayat, pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you Marcus, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> today we go back to 2002 for a friendly match that ended Estonia 2, Russia 1. Ayat, why have you chosen this game? Yes, I did briefly consider the famous game that never was. Mm-hmm. But of course, since that game never happened, I couldn't choose it. And also I've noticed that uh, British people don't tend to be very objective about it, unlike us Estonians. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I didn't choose that. You're referencing I, the, the the game with Scotland, of course. Yes. Uh, that yes. Didn't happen I didn't case. want any fights uh, over that. Mm. So I didn't choose it. And also, I, I have to confess, I didn't see that game because back then I was still in school. Oh. Yeah, so uh, of course, I could have also chosen the famous game against Northern Ireland that took us the uh, first time and, uh, and also the only time to the playoffs uh, in 2011. But I, I, I think that the game against Russia is really something that has stayed with me because back then in 2002 I was a journalist but not yet a sports journalist I was just a general reporter so I was there at the match as a just as an ordinary football fan and uh, I think it just left this profound change or a profound mark on on me and uh, I think after that I sort of knew I wanted to become a journalist mm-hmm. and um, and do this professionally. And also it was a kind of a first important, or I wouldn't say an important win, but because it was a, it was a friendly match, but it was the first time we had uh, beaten someone who was much, much stronger than Estonia. Mm-hmm. So it was a huge thing for us. Mm. And, and I believe there's a bit of history between the two nations, oh, yeah. but I'll, I'll leave that there. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a certainly uh, a, a well celebrated win, even though it was it was a friendly match. Uh, of course, I mean, J- Jonathan, this um, one of the, this is one of those games where I think when I when when you you pick this game. Um, yeah, and I thought to myself, oh, this is going to be an educational one, because I'll be <laughs> honest with you, uh, there's there's very little I know uh, about uh, Estonian in terms of their national team and Estonian football. And as loathed as I am um, to uh, be the person to mention Sunderland first for a change, you know, I, I just think, you know, immediately as an England footballer, when you think Mark Poom, former Pompey, former Sunderland goalkeeper as well. So Jonathan, what are your thoughts immediately when we mention, uh, you know, Estonia 2, Russia 1? Well, I was actually slightly surprised that I hadn't heard of this game before because mm. pretty much everything I know about Estonian football comes from a conversation I had with AS in, I think, 2007 uh, before Estonia played Croatia and England in the June uh, in, within like four days in, in qualifying or, or in England's case, failing to qualify for, <laughs> for the Euros. And I, I, remember, um, I remember you telling me a lot about the relationship with Russia I think just before I was there, there'd been a lot of riots uh, uh, involving Russian ethnicity and things. Uh, and you explained to me how, how football was, was very important in Estonia's relationship with Russia. And yet, I, 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 either you didn't tell me about this game or I, I'd, I'd forgotten about it. But when, you, when, I, when I looked it up, I sort of realized how it all fitted into this sort of great long sequence of events that you, you explained to me back then. It's certainly part of our football narrative, especially what comes to uh, relations with Russia. 
And uh, when we played, we also played Russia in 2007 in March. So um, that must have been just before you came over and I told you about that stuff. But I think 2002 must have seemed like ancient history to me in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't mention it. And yeah, in 2007, it was very, it was very charged as well. <clears throat> But not so much, um, well, like I said, in 2002, that was the first time we met Russia in football uh, as an independent country. And it was 11 years after independence. And uh, it was before we had started negotiations uh, of entering to NATO and uh, European Union, but we were already very strongly sort of Western-minded. Uh, we knew we didn't want to have these associations with former Soviet Union, with Eastern Europe, but we wanted to be more seen as, as a Western country, as a sort of European country. And uh, so I think back then it was very important for Estonians to, to sort of in a sense, try and sever all ties, all, uh, all ties connecting us to the past, connecting us to Soviet Union and consequently also to Russia. And so when they first came, I think the, um, the overall atmosphere was already very, I don't want to say anti-Russian because, um, that's probably that, that probably doesn't give the right idea, but it was more like right, you know, we're we're going to be completely apart from that. We're going to show them what we can do. We are independent country. We don't let them, you know, roll over us. And there was a march, a sort of a a fan gathering, and everybody marched together to the stadium, uh, which in a way. The fans still do, but of course, it's not as charged anymore than it was back then. Back then, it was like a sort of a chance to bring out the flags and to be very, to make this sort of political, mm. which I admit didn't give a good sort of pretext to the match. And I remember uh, I was uh, about 24 years old. And I remember that um, that my my parents were sort of a little bit worried about me going to that march um, because I think uh, there was some sort of sort of sense of danger and there was sure, riot yeah. police and mm -hmm. and everything that we didn't know what was going to happen and of course the fans came from Russia but also twenty five percent of uh, Estonian population back then was uh, Russian speaking and um, you know the loyalties were divided I think lots of Russian yeah. speaking Russian ethnical ethnical Russians were supporting Russia that day so we didn't know what was going to happen when we went to that match but I do remember this being very important kind of like a sense of national pride and, mm. and sort of like you had this sense of like this is important this really matters to us much much more than qualifying games yeah it's, it's a fascinating one because 
as you say, people not necessarily anti-Russian, they're just pro-Estonian and they've not been given a chance uh, to, to do that over the years. I mean, just to, to add to that, you know, from, from 1940 to 1991, Estonia didn't have a national team because they were part of the Soviet Union. So it's been a long, long time. Um, their first uh, FIFA-recognised match after independence was, was a one-all draw against Slovenia in, in June 1992. Um, so it's little wonder that uh, that this was a for want of a better word, spicy encounter, Jonathan, because we know that football is a great way or, well, a way of uh, displaying your uh, national identity. Yeah, and I think what's particularly interesting here, and I, I realise the, the kind of the absurdity of this format we now have, where I'm just going to repeat back to Ayat exactly what she told me in 2007. <laughs> so but we, we weren't this, there. Call we, of mansplaining. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, it, we all weren't there for that conversation, so please, Jonathan. And do know. correct me if I've misremembered anything, and I'm sure it is my fault if, 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 if I do get anything wrong. But you were explaining to me that um, football wasn't seen as an Estonian game. so. Uh, in in the smaller republics of the Soviet Union, uh, the biggest team sort of became also almost a, a de facto national team. So you had Zalgiris in Lithuania, you had Dagava in Latvia, and you had Karlov in in, uh, in Estonia. And Zalgiris were pretty good. They, they they had the you know if you if you tally up all the points from every year of the Soviet Supreme League, they were twenty third. Dagava were twenty seventh, and Karlov were fifty third. They only had two seasons in the top flight, and they. Got a gold difference, a, you know, a total gold difference of minus a hundred over those two years, and so the football was sort of in the same way the football in Ireland was seen as being the the, the sport of the oppressor. Uh, so it was in Estonia, and, and basketball was a much bigger, a bigger thing, and and, and skiing, and Karlov were, I, I think I'm right in saying the the final winners of the pan-Soviet basketball tournament. Yes. Yes. So, so I mean, can you? I mean, a have I got that right? And b can you explain why football sort of became so important for uh, national self-expression in those years between 1991 and and, and 2002? Yes, you remember it completely right. Uh, basketball was definitely seen as the Estonian sport. That's the, what every proper Estonian guy should play and also girls because that's what we always played in school i i don't remember us ever playing any football but always 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 basketball and also volleyball was extremely popular as well and then what happened why did it become so important i think um well because football is such a um universal sports and then when we could finally um, become members of the UEFA and FIFA and create our own football team uh, in early 90s, it was also a matter for us, like Latvians did it differently. Like they let everybody come and be part of the national team. But in Estonia, it was very important that we didn't have the, that only the Estonian nationals could play for the national team. Um, uh, we had something uh, so-called grey passport, which is like the aliens passport, which is for those Russians who couldn't get the Esto Estonian citizenship. Um, they, they didn't qualify or they didn't want the Estonian citizenship, but they also didn't take the Russian citizenship. So they were kind of like in between Estonia and Russia. They were living here, but they weren't citizens because in order to do that, you would 
you you would either have to prove that your parents were living here or parents or grandparents were living here before 1940 or then you would have to pass uh, you know language exams it's quite a complicated process not everyone not everyone could be or, or or cannot be even now Estonian citizen even if they've lived here for a while there's like certain procedures that you have to follow so they had grey passports, lots of uh, Russian-speaking players, especially near the border, uh, near Narva, uh, sort of Russian border. And uh, so they weren't eligible to play for the Estonian national team. Like, for example, Valery Karpin, the current Russian national team uh, coach, he was born in Estonia. He was born in the border town of Narva. His, his mother, uh, he's still living there and he quite often comes and spends time there because I think he still owns a house or a flat somewhere, somewhere there. But back then, I don't know if he, if he would have wanted it, but uh, he wouldn't have been able to play for Estonia because he didn't have Estonian passport. Anyway, so for us, it was very clear from the start that this is like, we are going to build this up based on Estonian citizens only, right? We're going to make this sort of Estonian sports, even though it hadn't been before. Now we're going to do it so that it's going to be. So it was just another way for us to show us being Estonians and showcase our sports, even though in the beginning there was really nothing to showcase for mm. because we were quite poor. and. Um, well, it's interesting, Ayat, because you, I, I understand what you're saying completely about um, the, the, the sort of the want and the desire to be very, very Estonian. Um, and of course, as I said earlier, 1992 was their first FIFA-recognised match. Their first win came, in, uh, a first win in a qualifier, should I say, came in 1996. But that was an ice, under an Icelandic coach. So uh -huh. they'd gone for a foreign coach quite early on. Was that seen as uh, sort of controversial or, or was that just needs must? No, not at all. It wasn't seen as controversial because okay. I think uh, while we didn't want to have anything to do with the former Soviet Union and that mm. block, we did want all the, all the foreign know-how to come in, you know, right. um, the coaches and the facilities. Uh, I think very early on, the, the national team and the club started going abroad for training camps just to just to bring in lots of know-how from abroad, not the Russian Soviet Union know-how. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. And, and so just in terms of sort of football's importance, uh, can you explain a bit about the, the game in 1980 between the, the TV station, the radio station, which led to the demonstrations? So, I mean, how significant was that in terms of Estonian self-expression and, and the move towards independence? Oh, it was definitely significant. Um, I'm not sure how much they achieved with this. Uh, I was only three years old back then, but... Uh, uh, it's definitely something that has lived on in the in the sort of like national psyche, you know. But do you want Everybody... to explain, you know, what happened and and, and then the, the sort of consequences of it? I'm not sure exactly that I remember exactly what happened, but there was this uh, kind of like a rock concert, um, and then uh, there was a punk rock band called Propeller, who was singing um, at the Kadriorg Stadium, which was our main stadium back then. And then after that, there was a match between, a football match between uh, 
I think it was um, our radio and TV station was playing against the band. <laughs> and then I don't think it was about the result at all. That wasn't important. But what was important was what was said and what was implied with it. And it was kind of like um, sort of ideas of freedom, even though back then it was still like, very dark Soviet times, and um, it wasn't yet the, the National Awakening. Perestroika hadn't started yet. So it was, uh, I'm not sure how much was exactly said, um, but it was more like implied that we could be free again, we could do this, we could, you know, defy the rules. And uh, So the fact there was a crowd there allowed us a sort of a, an anonymity, so people would maybe allowed to express themselves slightly more freely in that very specific context. Yes, just to show um, the opposition, but not to put it in, into so many words, but just to sort of imply that there is uh, inner opposition somewhere, that, they, that the people who work in TV, in radio, um, or the, you know, the cultural spares, that they are not completely on board with the whole Soviet Union thing. It was just a way to show this, to express it, and uh, to do other kinds of shenanigans. Mm. All right, let's have a quick break and then we'll talk about the match itself. See you in a moment, everybody. Welcome back to the Greatest Games on the Blizzard. Um, now then, knuckling down to the football uh, side of things, um, Estonia, by 2002, they'd seen, uh, certainly results-wise, a little bit of an uptake in, in form. They entered qualification for the 94 World Cup and, and Euro 96. And in those two qualification campaigns, they lost every match bar one draw. So not too good, but of course, a, a country with a small population, not been playing international football again that long. And then qualifying for Euro 2000, they won three, drew two and lost five in qualifying. A marked improvement, um, I, th I think one would agree. And then in 2000, they brought in uh, the Dutchman to, to, to appointed as head coach, Arno Pipers. How important is he seen in, in Estonian football? At all, um, is he seen, was, was that another move? Because, you know, Iceland, of course, as you say, Estonia trying to get in sort of foreign ideas. But Iceland, not known, despite uh, beating England at Euro, 96, uh, Euro 2016, not known for being a, a footballing hotbed, but, but the Netherlands much more so. So was it quite exciting when they appointed a Dutch head coach? Oh, yeah, it was uh, very exciting. It was completely new culture that they brought in. And especially for the football players, I think lots of things changed the way that tra they trained. The whole thing just became suddenly much, much more professional. And of course, it has had more profound consequences than just that. It didn't just affect the early 2000s, but it has effects even to this day, because even to this day, Estonia is sort of following uh, the, the, the Dutch system of uh, training, uh, of uh, uh, training new coaches. Uh, we use a lot of their know-how. And uh, even though now the FA, um, when they are training new coaches, are using mainly, I think, Estonian teachers, then up until a few years ago, it was still Arno Pipers who was doing that. So he has had a lot of influence and he still has very good relations with the Estonian FA. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's tricky, Jonathan, for a country with 
what is it about 1.3 million something like that in in, in Estonia and not um a huge amount of history uh to kind of get themselves going in, in an international sense but they have improved since those qualify qualification campaigns in the mid 90s oh yeah and and i think actually given all the difficulties i think estonia's actually done remarkably well you know that with with such a small population they could you know they they outcompete other nations of similar populations and what you know what else can you do and i think they've they've got it right by um you know working out what path they wanted to follow 20 years ago and essentially sticking with that so after Arno Piper's, uh, so when when I was there in 2007, the coach was Jelle Hirsch, another Dutchman, who I guess was carrying on, you know, a similar philosophy. So, you know, you can't expect miracles. I mean, you know, Iceland, I guess, I means shows you that miracles can happen, but fundamentally, any qualification would be extraordinary for a country of one and a half million population. Yeah. Although I suppose they, you know, seeing Latvia do it in 2004, you know, that would kind of people would always think, well, if they can do it, you know, it kind of maybe gives a bit of inspiration, hope, but that was a little while ago now. Um, but let's get to the match itself uh, against Russia. And So can I, can I just ask, before we yeah, actually get into the game, sure. um, you, you mentioned that there was a, uh, 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 an attempt to, to ensure the national team was ethnically Estonian. So of, this, of the 11 who started, I mean, just, just sort of skimming down, were they all... Um, Ethnically Estonian? Because I'm assuming Andrei Stepanov is ethnically Russian. From the yes, there were a few who were ethnically Russian. What I meant more, uh, not so much ethnically Estonian, but at least Estonian citizenship. Oh, okay. So that right. you know where their loyalties lie. Mm-hmm. That, they, they, that they won't one day just decide to, you know, take Russian passport, for example. And so the, the test for Estonian citizenship is fairly rigorous, is it, in terms of having to speak Estonian? And... It is, yes. Right, and okay. uh, there are certain procedures you have to go through. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the, the game against Russia. Now, I mean, you, you, people would know one or two of the of the the Russian team. There's a few recognisable names in there. Um, it, with the Estonian side, I held my hands up. I, I hadn't heard of any of them pers- personally. And they, most of them played in Estonia. A handful played in Denmark, Sweden. See, Andrew Zopper was linked with Sunderland in 2005. There you are. And he was very much the man of the moment. And you have to say, based on his exploits in this game, why on earth did they not... Uh, why did well, they, he, he they... went to... Um, he went to... I think he went to Roda in, uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, he was, he was yeah. at Torpedo Moscow at the time. Oh. Um, I mean, who would Sunderland have had a front in 2005? Because that was just before the, <laughs> the Let, terrible... Let's have Mick... a reminisce. Let's yeah, have a reminisce, just before the Mick McCarthy relegation 15-point <laughs> oh, season. So, lucky escape for him. Yeah, my goodness. Um, but yeah, so this was, uh, you know, Russia were expected to win, weren't they, this game? Oh, yeah, definitely. Russia was a huge favourite and um, I sort of had a look at the old interviews because we have archives here, like what they had said before the match. And there was also an interview with uh, Valery Karpin who before the match said that the pitch, of course, is in a very bad state. And well, he was, he was right about that. Yeah. yeah, he was right about that. It was in a very bad state. There was no grass yeah. to speak of. But uh, Was it really so, cold? Because, I mean, from that footage, it looks like there's bits of snow on the pitch. Or was that yeah, just... I remember it was quite cold. I, I'm not sure if there was snow. It was end of March, but end of March can be very cold here. I think it was about, like three or four degrees, something like that. It was cold. 
and yeah, <laughs> no grass. Uh, but at the same time, the head coach said that we don't have any grass pitches in Moscow right now either. So, uh, uh, but of course, I think lots of Russian players uh, were used to much, much better conditions, whereas Estonians were probably more used to playing in, in bad pitches. And Valery Karpin said that, yeah, I think this will make the game a little, a little bit more equal. But the players were all saying that uh, they sensed the Russians were quite full of themselves before the match, kind of like, oh, we're going to, this is going to be an easy, easy job for us. And, and so the fact that it was a friendly, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious watching the highlights that it was a very competitive friendly. Is that, is that fair? Oh, yeah, very, very competitive. And would it mean more to Estonia than to Russia or were they really up for it as well? Um, well, winning would mean much, much more to Estonia than to Russia. But of course, they didn't want to lose. They mm. didn't want to lose to us. It would have been quite embarrassing for them. But I'm not sure whether for the team it would have been embarrassing because it's Estonia per se. It could just be because just because they're minnows, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but then during the game, there was stuff happening at the stadium where the riot police came and they burned the, the Russian ultras, burned the Estonian flag. And then they took out this banner saying, the masters have returned. So you can imagine <laughs> how this felt. <laughs> yeah. And of course, um, the players didn't see it per se, but they did see the missiles that were thrown on the, mm -hmm. on the pitch, but they didn't see, I think, the, the flag burning and all the banners, but they sensed it. So mm -hmm. that must have fueled it even further. The fact that this matters, this matters to the, to the people on the stands and people watching this game from TV. So it kind of like changed their attitude to the game as well. It wasn't just a football match anymore. It wasn't just the fact that, oh, we have to win because we have to win. It was more like we have to win because this mm -hmm. is against Russia and we have to show them that they are not the masters who have returned. Yeah. Well, we didn't have to wait too long for the first goal in the game. It was only 10 minutes in and it was that man, uh, Andres Opa, who scored the opening goal after 10 minutes. And he, again, if you you can find the footage of this this game. There are highlights on YouTube. And you will see when that first goal goes in that it's, it's not quite friendly, is it, Jonathan? You know, jubilant scenes of, of celebration. Yes. Um, it's the... I, I think it's uh, Saviok, the uh, sort of blonde-haired, tall... Uh, def uh, defender and the look of delight on his face it really <laughs> is sort of like a five year old on Christmas day or something <laughs> it's like a massive grin uh, when they're celebrating I mean it, we should say a load of the footage is there on YouTube it's quite hard to make out what's going on it's a bit tricky uh, it, it gets is, a bit yeah. easier as the light fades later on and, and sort of there's a bit more contrast for the ball but picking out the ball from this pitch <laughs> which has got these odd pale patches which I, I, it might be snow it might be sand I don't know it's certainly not grass it, it's quite hard to work out what's going on. But anyway, there's a throw-in on the right. Cross comes in, it's touched on. And Opa comes in and marked at the, at the, at the back and, and, and converts it very, very neatly. But yeah, the celebrations are not what you'd expect for, from a friendly. They're, they're, they're significantly more than that. Yeah, and Opa, of course, 134 international caps, scoring 38 goals, which makes him Estonia's all-time top scorer. He's not the um, appearance holder. Uh, of course, how, how important is he in uh, in Estonia in in the Estonian um, football landscape? Oh, still very important. He's mm. the 
right now, or he's been in the past few years, but he's also now the assistant coach of the Estonian national team, mm-hmm. um, mainly working with the strikers. And uh, he's definitely very well known, very loved here. And uh, yeah, people look up, young footballers certainly look up to him still. Yeah, well, so, as I say, if not for those 38 goals, specifically the winning goal that he gets in, in this game. And then the equalising goal for Russia only happens eight minutes later. Vladimir Beschasnik, uh scores quite a nice finish, Jonathan, if, if you very can make nice out finish. the ball. Yeah, well, the, the, he, I, th- I think it was him. Because, again, I don't know why, but the footage is, is generally quite low quality, quite apart from the issue of colour. So I think a team has a chance three or four minutes earlier that um, Kalman makes a very good save from. Uh, but then, yeah, he gets this chance after 18 minutes. And then, you know, very calm, you know, side foot finish. And his celebration, I think, is, although it's far less demonstrative than, than, than Opper's, it's, it's equally significant in that there's that little sort of clench of a fist of, come on, we've sorted this out now. Let's, let's, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's get this silliness out of the way and let's get this done. Yeah. But of course they don't. You know they they no. do keep having chances, and there's that extraordinary, very close to being an own goal. Um, again, I'm not entirely certain who it is. Who is it? Might be Saviok. I'm not sure. The little side foot past his own goalkeeper goes. About yeah, I can't remember place. who it was, but I do remember that moment. I remember kind of like heart stopping yeah. moment because you like you basically you know oh no it's 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 happened again because just a year before that we had played. Uh, Holland in the same stadium and we had been up 2-1 and then of course everything went pear-shaped after that and there was this very famous own goal and so every every own goal hurts us profoundly <laughs> <laughs> but there oh, is that no. great moment of, of Kalmer he, he started to come and then the pass is, is just you know play is played blind and he he just can't move his feet which I think is probably partly to do with the pitch but partly his momentum is going the other way mm. and there is that awful moment of even though I, you know, I knew what the score was going to be of thinking oh god I can't believe that. oh it's gone wide yeah. so it, and it, it, it just the way it just sort of trickles wide it, it seems <laughs> to take forever um, mm-hmm. so yeah I mean to, to, to be there in the moment and see that must have been one of those really awful sort of two or three seconds you get mm. it was yeah I, and as you said Jonathan there was a lot of chances I mean Estonia had some of their own chances but as the game goes on Oh, yeah, but Estonian fans must have thought, hang on, we're in this game. This is there for for the taking. And with everything you just you said previously, but also the fact that they're still in there, it must have made people, um, you know, the atmosphere intensifies and uh, people start getting a little bit nervous maybe. Oh, yeah. And I mean, in the second half, uh, I don't know if Estonians got so nervous because I remember, I remember being at the stands and thinking, draw, that is good. I'm, I'm mm. happy with the draw. I'll take draw, um, which is not what we usually think, because usually every football fan wants, wants to win. But I yeah. remember thinking that this is not bad for us, that I will take this. But Russian fans, they were getting nervous. And that's when all these riots started happening and the riot police had to come in. It wasn't actually enough uh, for the security anymore. So the riot police came in. I think they took about 20 fans away. And you could see, you know, it happening on the stands. You could see the fighting. You could see them being dragged out. And there was like the the sound of sirens. So you could could sense it in the air that... Mm -hmm. 
they were getting nervous and anxious about this. And at the same time, I think Estonians were sort of like hopeful, but at the same time, kind of like, please hang on there. Like, just yeah, don't yeah. let them score. What I found interesting is when when you see the footage of the fans fighting in the stadium, there's a moment where the the, the Estonian goalkeeper's net seems to break and he calls the referee over. And then there's something going on with the net. Did you see that on the footage, Jonathan? I, 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 didn't, I didn't actually. So you must have seen different highlights to me because I, I, you know, I saw the. It's about five minutes after half time. Suddenly there's a lot of flares. Yeah. And there's some. some I mean, this is on the highlights. So there may well have been other stuff going on that we don't sure. see. And you see, um, you know, stewards and police are stamping on the flares. And then you, you see the riot police going into that stand. And, you know, I, I you know, I had no idea whether they were Estonian or Russian fans. It was just riot police laying into people. It mm-hmm. wasn't entirely clear what was going on. Um, but no, I, I didn't. So what, what happened with the net? Well, I did. The goalkeeper sort of picks up the net in his. It's, it's as if one of the um, sort of top corners, if you like, has kind of sagged or come down. So it's almost sort of sort of not flat behind on the posts, but it's not it's not sticking out. But the point was, it just it, everything just seemed to go off in the stadium, <laughs> from the flares to the fans, the net breaks, and so on. It's suddenly like, oh my goodness, you know, this is this is, a, is an enormous spectacle, of course. And uh, I mean, what what you know, yeah, you you, you spoke there, um, Ayad, about how the fans were feeling and so on. But of course, their moment would come three minutes from time when when that man Opa. Uh, got the winning goal and again if the first goal was celebrated keenly then the second one certainly was absolutely mm-hmm. um i can't remember how the players celebrated because i don't think i saw it i think we were just <laughs> like oh we were just like we we went crazy i remember that feeling of absolute craziness which mm. i've never felt since or never had felt before it was just like it was like over joyous, like mm. this, this absolute, this crazy feeling of uh, we can't believe this has happened. Not just because this was Russia, but just it was the first time we had done something like that against a much, much stronger country. It was a first big win for us. And I think at that moment, it was like three, three minutes before the, mm-hmm. before the time, um, we started to believe. I think for the first time we started to believe that we can play football on a higher level, not just amongst the minnows, but we are capable of winning bigger teams. I think that was the first time this idea, this thought entered into many people's minds. Mm. And, and it's Jonathan, a hilarious goal. Which I was saying. about to say, yeah, you, you're <laughs> going to take a certain goal. <laughs> so, uh, this, a Russian defender's bringing the ball. I'm not really sure why he's doing that. He's just sort of running forwards uh, <laughs> with no apparent sort of destination in sight and doesn't realise an Estonian's behind him, puts in this, this sliding challenge, just pokes the ball away from him. And then uh, there's an Estonian substitute, I'm not sure who it is, number 15. It's Roba. Okay, Roba um, sort of hooks the ball forward and suddenly Oppa's in the box, free, nobody anywhere near him. And he's, again, I'm sort of imagining myself in the stadium and there must have been that sort of split second of, hang on, he can't miss this. This has yeah. got to be a goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but then yeah. presumably thinking, oh God, what if he does miss this? This is going to haunt him and us forever. And then he, he does actually take it very, very calmly. Because they'd missed one or two chances. I say there's Yeah, well, there's a miss. very good rhyme chance just after the hour yeah. where he, had, he, must, he can't have realised how much time he had because the ball's... 
I, I think it's Zelensky chips the ball into him. And I don't know what's happened to the Russian marking, but he's got sort of, you know, he's in 10 yards of space and he could have taken the ball down and turned. And he tries to, to hit this sort of spinning volley and, and drags it horribly wide. Uh, but yeah, if, if, if Estonia had somehow lost the game or hadn't won it, that would have been a chance to be thinking, God, if yeah. only he'd, he'd sort of taken the touch. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't matter. So who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, of course, they, they run out and 2 1 winners. And again, some of the, again on the footage, you know, you sort of think, was this a particularly important qualifier? <laughs> Have they made it to the playoffs or something like that? But it was just a friendly, but it's so much more than a, a friendly to Estonia. Yeah. Sure. And um, <clears throat> like Estonians never really get to. Um, get to get get to feel what it what it's like to qualify, you know. Um, mm. I think the chances for us, like even even that the playoff only happened once, and of course we we lost by a clear margin then, and so we've never really experienced that type of joy. Mm. So in a way, we have to take what what we have, you know. Um, that was this chance that where we got to celebrate as if we had won something really important, but we had won something really mm. important, kind of like this game with a real profound importance. We had won it and that we knew that no one's going to take that away from us. That's going to stay forever in the statistics. It's always going to be there. Yeah. What, what, my favorite moment of the match actually is when Estonia, they've gone 2-1 up. And obviously, you think you're sort of hanging on nervy kind of last few minutes. And Oprah himself, he thinks, no, I'm having one of those days. And he goes <laughs> for his hat trick in spectacular stuff. What is it, like 45, 50 yards out? Yeah, well, he's, on the, he's on the halfway line. So it must be yeah, over right, 50 yards. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, I, I was, it was hard for me to pick out the halfway line in the footage. But yeah, he just he has a go. And it was it the roof of the net or he was he was very close. And and what I like about that is it's kind of that must have given fans that real sense of, oh my goodness, it's party time sort of thing. Like, look at us, we're like bloody Brazil or something. You know? <laughs> it's one of those sort of spectacular moments where you think, what, did one of our players pull out something like that or nearly pull out something like that? Absolutely glorious. Um, but yeah, oh, the other thing I was going to ask you, um, Ayat, with regards to the celebrations and all, is when the players go to the fans, of course, and and sort of clap and, and whatnot, there's a couple of um, British flags in Estonian colours that are oh. being draped in the city. What, what what's that about? Is That's that just kind of like a fan organisation flag. And they right. still use it. You can still okay. see them in our um, in our stadiums, I think. I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's down to the fact that lots of Estonians do support uh, England God and, uh, <laughs> and English clubs. There are loads of uh, Liverpool fans, of course, obviously, mm -hmm. and I think Arsenal fans, Manchester United fans. So, and England, Britain being the... Um, um, the birthplace of the mm -hmm. beautiful game. I think they want to associate them with uh, <laughs> with Britain, and uh, so they made these flags with the Estonian colours, but mm -hmm. otherwise a British flag. I think it's kind of like a question of of fandom and pride, mm -hmm. and like we want to be part of that football culture as well. I think it's it's the English, the British football culture that Estonians really like and sort of look up to. Of course, yeah. not the hooligan side, but sure, sure, else. sure. But you can't blame them, Jonathan, can you? <laughs> yes, yeah, I really can. 
being <laughs> an avid Spanish football fan, I can uh, a little. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> perhaps we'll end on that note then. Uh, you, you certainly know your footballing onions perhaps better than some of uh, your fellow uh, country people. But um, uh, thank you very much for coming on the pod. It's been a pleasure talking to you about this one. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, for more stories like that, do check out theblizzard.co.uk. But uh, that's it for, for another week. We'll be back next week with another great game from the history of football. And it's goodbye from myself and Jonathan. Cheers. Cheers.